So anyway, um, you know, we're talking about truth. Some believe that truth is rel relative, you know, it's meaning that it's true for one person, but it might not be true for somebody else. And some people just believe that there is no such thing as absolute truth. And I have a picture I want to show you guys of, just to illustrate this um, on there. Yeah, you see, truth is not relative, or is it relative to this guy's perspective? It's a six. No, it's a nine. It's a six. It's a nine. All right. Or you can see someone said, look at this bird. It's a beautiful bird. And I was like, that's not a beautiful bird. That's an ugly bird. Well, both person could be telling the truth at the same time. It's just a matter of their perspective and their opinion, right? And there's some things where truth is relative like that, where it is a matter of opinion, like with food, right? Right? With food, some of you guys like some food that other people think is downright nasty or think is gross, right? Some people uh, love meat. Some people won't eat meat. Some people love salad. Some people won't eat salad. Some people love eggs. Some people don't even like the smell of eggs. They just get sick just being near it. But it's, so that truth is, is relative based on that person's opinion. But just because some truth is relative like that doesn't mean all truth is relative, does it? Okay, we can put the next picture up there for me. Um, is a quote by somebody. The only absolute truth is that there are no absolute truths. And this is not something I'm saying is true. This is not true. This is a, just some people's opinion out there. There is no such thing as absolute truth. Because is there is absolute truth that implies something else, doesn't it? There must be someone out there, somebody out there, that invented this absolute form of truth, right? Meaning God. So the world and the devil wants us to believe there's no such thing as absolute truth. You know, we can see it in nature, though. There are things in nature that is absolutely truth. You know, there are opinions and things, too, but there is absolute truth. Like a, a circle is never going to become a square, right? A tree is always a tree. A rock is always a, a rock. It's not going to change. There are things that are set in stone that are absolute truths, just like in, in, uh, in the world, like gravity, okay, for example. Gravity is true no matter what you believe or whether you believe it or not. You can say, I don't believe in gravity, but you jump off the building, it's gonna, you're going to feel it. Unless you have a parachute, right? right. Then if they had a parachute, they, they were lying. They believed in gravity. They wouldn't have had a parachute, <laughs> right? Or electricity. You think of electricity. There are laws of electricity that govern electricity. If you know them and you cooperate with them, they can help you in great ways to power your house and have all kinds of fun features in your house, the heat, cold, and AC, whatever. But if you don't cooperate with them and just do whatever you want with them, you can be introduced to a new law called the law of shock. <laughs> and you can get shocked and you can even die. I remember when I was little, I was uh, very curious. My dad had a ham radio system and he would talk to people all over the world on it and on this Morse code and stuff like that. We'd hear it in our sleep sometimes. Like all the time, we'd be talking to people like all over the place. And so I had this walkie-talkie I got for Christmas one year. And I had a 9-volt battery, and it wasn't, I didn't think, it, I was doing a tool of the Tim Man Taylor or something, thinking it needed more power. So I thought, I had this idea, well, this thing's plugged into the wall, that would have more power. I was only like fourth grade or something. This has more power. If I cut this wire and then put this, hook this up to the walkie-talkie, then I could probably, maybe I could talk to China. Maybe I could be like that. I could talk to someone a long ways away. Well, so I, I, I cut into the wire. The wire was still plugged into the wall. And next thing you know, uh, I saw this big puff of smoke, and everything went black. I was afraid to open my eyes, afraid I was blind. And then uh, I finally did, and was like, thank God, I was still okay. And then I quickly snuck mom's scissors back into her scissor drawer, because it had a massive hole in it after that. <laughs> and she's like, next one, how'd this hole get my scissors? I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe Robin did it. I don't know. It wasn't me. 
So uh, anyway, she knows now. If she doesn't know, she knows exactly right now. If she's watching the live stream, that was me, Mom. Sorry, I ruined those scissors. Thankfully, but you know that's why we run around the house and we put those plug-in covers in our electrical circuits and our receptacles and stuff, so that is why the absolute truth is uh, fighting and questioned. Because the fact that absolute truth does exist points us to the truth that there is a sovereign God. And that's why the world and the devil, of course, doesn't want you to believe that absolute truth exists, uh, that all truth is relative. But there is a sovereign God, and the fact that he exists means, and in fact, that there is absolutely faith, that there is faith, there has to be a God. And God is connected to faith. So one of these absolute truths is the gospel message is the gospel. It is an absolute truth. It is an absolute fact. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is the, is the power of God. It is the absolute truth. It is absolute truth. The devil doesn't want the world to know. He doesn't want people to know this truth. But it is absolutely true. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The word gospel means good news. So this, this comes from Romans 1, 16. We'll read the whole verse to you. It says, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed, you guys I'm sure know this, I'm not ashamed of the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and then for the Greek. So it isn't just any good news that has the power to save, it is the good news of Christ that has the power to save. Do you see that? So the next verse says this, verse 17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. In what? In the gospel, in the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just or righteous shall live by faith. So what is this saying? It's saying the good news of Christ, right standing with God, is revealed by faith. It's revealed by faith. So unlike electricity, unlike gravity that work no matter what, doesn't matter what's going on, it's going to work, uh, faith and, and the salvation message doesn't work unless there's an and there's a extra aspect added to it called faith. Okay, so what does it mean to be saved? The word saved is a, is in the Greek 110 times in the New Testament. It's the word sozo. You've heard of our sozo ministry we do here at the church, it's an inner healing ministry, but it means to save, to keep safe and sound to save from injury or peril, to save from suffering, like diseases, to save from our sin, and to save from the penalties of judgment and, or of hell. It also means to heal. To heal, to make well or whole, to restore to health. And it also means to deliver. To deliver, to protect, to rescue from danger or destruction. So the New Testament writers knew this word was so full of meaning, they actually use this word in multiple verses in the different contexts so we'd, we'd catch on that it doesn't just mean you get to go to heaven when you die. There's a lot more to salvation than just getting to go to heaven when you die and not having to go to hell. There's actually what's better than all of those rewards is the reward of knowing Jesus. The reward of knowing the Father. And all those other things just flow from that knowledge of knowing Him. Amen? So, for example, the word saved, we'll give you an example of this in Luke 19.10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save, that's the word sozo, what was lost. So he was looking for something that's lost, so it wouldn't be lost anymore, amen? Yeah. 
So if you've been found, you're not lost anymore. Amen. There's no more hide and go seek going on. You've been found. Amen. Praise God. You're found in him. Next one is healed. Mark uh, 6.56. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. That's the word sozo. That's the same word for our salvation. Here deliverance is what? It's hearing the gospel truth. Someone hearing it. And they come alive to it. They add their faith to it. And their life is changed and transformed. It's time to put some faith back in the power of the gospel. Amen. And not just in tactics and good church health and growth committees and family picnics and whatever else we're going to do to try to attract a crowd. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto the transformation of that person's life. And we need to share with them. Now, it's still up to them if they're going to believe it, if they're going to receive it, add faith to it. But Jesus paid for it. We All we have to do is share it. And then if they receive it, great. If they don't, you sow that seed. You pray for God to water it. Pray for that to intercession over that. And just leave it with the Lord and believe God for changes. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, you'll, we'll never be more alive than when you're telling somebody about somebody else yeah. other than yourself. Telling somebody about Jesus. Yeah. You know what he did for me? And if you don't know what he did for you, we need to get to know what he did for you. And you're going to have to find out by reading the Bible. And we talked about spirit, soul, and body for five or six weeks and realize what he did for you already. You'll have a lot to share, amen? I'll have a lot to share. Because not everyone knows this stuff. So unfortunately, the laws that govern the truth of our salvation are different than the laws that govern gravity and electricity, right? Gravity and electricity work whether they believe or they don't believe. But salvation, it works for those who believe. Amen? Amen. It's an active agent that has to be added to it. It's called faith. So uh, we know the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. So in order for people to experience this transforming, saving power of God, they're going to have to hear somebody say it. And if we're limiting it to just these four walls, we're in trouble. Because what if they never come here? What if they never ever go to church? Jesus didn't limit it to that. He did speak at the temple. He said every day. But he also was out in the fields. He was out everywhere. He was um, uh, talking to religious people. He was talking to the, in bars with prostitutes, with sinners. He was all over the place, wasn't he? That's really your Jesus, amen? Because he really did leave the 99 to go get the one. And I think he really wants us to be like that himself, ourselves, to go after that one. Just go, well, you know, I guess they've strayed away. We just got to let them go. Who says we have to let them go? Who says we have to give up praying? Who says we can't go after that one and forget that? Just because they might, might look terrible. It looked terrible for the prodigal son, didn't it? It looked terrible what he was doing. How he wasted his father's money and everything else he had done in wild living. But the father was still praying for him. You know he was. He was still, you know he was because he was still looking for him off his front porch as he saw him walking down the road that day and he took off running down to go grab his son and didn't want to hear his excuses. Come on, boy. Come on, you're my son. Took him back to the family and had a big party for him. Every Sunday, because they preached hellfire and brimstone, you're afraid you're gonna, the floor's going to disappear, you're going to fall into hell at the end of the sermon. I'm talking about people that actually get radically, really born again and transformed and changed their life. Month, I remember here, I was transitioning between the worship and the offering, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to say, there's a transition coming to our church, a transition coming uh, in the spirit realm, and it's now the season of the evangelist. Do you guys remember that? I'm back and listened to that again and just prayed over that some more. And I really feel like that was a word from the Lord. 
And the evangelist isn't necessarily having to have a title. And we introduce you to Evangelist Brian, Evangelist Holly, or uh, the title, whatever. It's that we're actually telling people about Jesus. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Forget the title, but I'm releasing the evangelist. There's people all over this globe, all over our county, that they go to church, maybe. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But they don't know Jesus. Right. You listen to them talk, you'll know if they know Jesus or not. I'm not talking about just you hear them say a bad word or something. I'm talking about listen to what they believe. Listen to what they believe. Out of the abundance of their heart, their mouth is going to speak. Just listen. You say, you know what? I'm going to listen to you talk for a while, and I'm not sure you know Jesus or not. Let me tell you what I do when I'm in this situation. Here's what I do. I pray, or I give this to God, or I cast my cares on him, or whatever the situation is, and you can share with them about Jesus. You know, back in June, we had uh, Zach Horst come in here from Circuit Riders, where Jillian's out in California right now. We had him here in June because we wanted him to share about, um, he's, a, he's an evangelist. He's very good at it. He's, one, one of the things he's good at is he's not afraid. Even though he is afraid, he just doesn't let fear hold him in, in place and not go out. Because he told me every time he goes out, he still gets the butterflies. He still gets scared. But he pushes past it anyway and shares with people anyway. So we had Zach Horst here in June, and he shared his five-finger gospel with us. You guys remember that when we were here? Well, this wasn't meant to be a one-time event or one-time uh, activation. This would be a lifestyle change, and I need to be re- reminded of it. So I printed out, uh, put in my notes here, Zach's five points again. I'm going to go over with them today, and I can print them for you guys. I can email them to you, because if you memorize them, you'll be much quicker to have in your heart to share with somebody when you get the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Right. This is a good life skill to have, a good Christian school, skill. Every believer should have the basic knowledge of how to lead someone to Jesus. Amen? Right. Not say, oh, let me bring you to church, my pastor pray. No, you're missing out on a huge blessing. Yeah. You're A huge blessing. You pray with them. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. You can pray with him, lead him to Christ. Amen? Amen. So Zach's five-finger gospel, I'm not going to try to do it in 60 seconds or 90 seconds like he did. Um, he did that. It was when you're in a hurry, when you're in a, you know, an airport, you're in a, sometime you don't have a lot of time, you need to get the message out quickly. Um, so you can talk longer than that. But if you have 60, 90 seconds, you could share it with him that fast if you needed to. Amen? All right, so first one is creation. Number two is sin and eternal separation. Number three is the cross. Four is resurrection and new life. And five is the cost of saying yes. That's Zach's five-finger gospel. And I'm going to read to you. I, I summarized something. I'm going to read to you basically what he said in those 60 to 90 seconds. And each of these things, again, I can email it to you. You can take pictures of the screen if you'd like. Um, but we need to have these things in our heart. So when God gives you the answer to your prayer... What if the very person you're praying for, one day it's the moment of their salvation. It's, you just feel it right there in the, balance, in the balance. And all of a sudden, the one who's standing there to pray for them is, is you. And you haven't taken the time to put the word of God into your heart. Haven't taken the time to, to, to say, what does the gospel say? What, is it, what am I supposed to say? Well, guess what? We should do that. Amen? We should teach our children to do this. Amen? This is kindergarten Christianity, in my opinion, because the fact that 80% or 90%, whatever the real number is, of all Christians have never led one person to the Lord, is, is in, and the church is still growing, is absolutely amazing when 80% of the church is not going to tell anyone about Jesus. 
then 80% of the church needs to have a radical encounter with Jesus so they can't help but tell someone about Jesus. Like Paul did. Are you guys okay? I love you. I mean that sincerely. I, I, me too. I, I, I don't have anything in the Bible perfected. I'm growing in this. I'm learning in this. But I just, when I read it and I'm challenged by it, I want to challenge you with the things I'm being challenged by. Just because someone goes to church doesn't mean they have the, the, the Christ, the cross, the Jesus in them that they know what they believe. Some of, the, some of the most frustrated people I know go to church. I was one. They went to church. I went to church. But the reality of his salvation message, the reality of Christ in me, the hope of glory, my life's been radically transformed by Jesus. And I actually believe that God has created you for a purpose. And your purpose is that you would have a relationship with him, that you would know perfect love, perfect joy, perfect peace, that you would actually know that God created you and that he has a calling over your life and you would actually know what it is. That's the first part of creation. So we didn't talk a lot about creation, but there's a reason why we were created. Created by God, for God, have a relationship with God. That's not that hard to say, right? But like I said, I can get you this. You can meditate on it, memorize it, make it up your own. And then he went on to say, but there's a problem. A lot of people don't believe in God. And I think part of the reason is there's a lot, there's a lot of sin in the world, right? Brokenness. There's a lot of hurt and pain and sin. Sin is simply living outside of God's perfect plan for our lives. If you've lied, if you've cheated, if you've stolen, or something like that, that is sin. And the Bible says that the wages, the wages, the price of sin is death and eternal separation from God. You know, you sh- I'm sure you've learned of hell before. It's real place and it's scary. So that was a part about sin and eternal separation. Then it goes on the cross. So each of these bullet points, sharing with them, it's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. All right, next one, the cross. But the good news is simply this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That Christ, who was the Son of God, who was God, became a man, lived a perfect life, knew no sin, so that he could take on all the sin of the world. The very thing that separated us from God, he would bear that sin and that brokenness on the cross. Amen. Then fourth one, resurrection and new life. Jesus died and carried our sin to the pit of hell and was resurrected to new life three days later. Jesus took our sin so that we could also be resurrected to new life and that we could be made clean. We could be made fully clean before God. The reason that sin separates us from God is because God is holy and perfect. And so Jesus came to, what Jesus came to do is to make us clean. He came to take the dirtiness of sin. He takes it so that now there could be would be no longer a separation between us and God. We wouldn't have to spend an eternity in hell, but we could actually go, go to heaven. And we live eternally with God. We would get to have the promises of God for our lives on this earth. We could know his love, his joy, his peace, and his purpose and his plans, his specific plan for our life. So he's sharing this with, sharing this with me, and of course I'm just, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, if he, if he did this without stopping, of course, he had it memorized. I don't have it memorized, but he said. He did it in 60 to 90 seconds. You could do it in an elevator. Uh, airplanes crashing. You're, you're on it. Guess what? Someone needs to stand up and say something. If the plane doesn't get back in, uh, back in flight mode, you need to tell everybody as fast as you can, right? So it's good to know these things. And last one is the cost of saying yes. 
He says, and you can actually have that relationship with him by simply surrendering your life to Jesus. The Bible says, repent for your sin, of your sins, which means to turn away from your sins. It also means to change how you think. Just add that in there. Believe that Jesus is the Lord of your life and that God raised him from the dead and you, will, you would throw your life on him and he would save you. But I would also say that if anyone could come, should come after him, if anyone should come after Jesus, he must lay down his life. He must pick up his cross and follow him. What that simply means is just to throw your life on Jesus, to give him everything, to surrender your life to him. You know, imagine you're in the ocean and you're drowning, and, that, and that's what sin is. It's in the world we're drowning in sin. But imagine a massive rock appears out of nowhere. You're not just going to look at the rock and say, I believe that rock is real. I believe that rock is there. What you're going to do is you're going to throw your life on that rock. And that's the same thing with Jesus. There's actually an invitation for you today that you can surrender your life to Jesus. And I don't know if you've experienced pain, brokenness in your life. You mentioned there, get a word of knowledge. If you've experienced that, we can help you learn how to do that. And it's what he felt like anxiety. The Bible says, cast all your anxiety on the Lord for he cares for you. So you actually can be set free from anxiety. He said, I used to be anxious, depressed, drug addicted for years. And it wasn't until I actually called on the name of Jesus and surrendered my life to him that I was set free in a moment. And, and uh, is that something you'd want today? And he was about 90 seconds or so he did that. I think this is so important in the time that we're in. You know, when we, Holly and I used to do youth group, we have kids come to youth uh, from different churches because some churches didn't have a youth pastor. And often we'd ask them, uh, have you ever given your life to Christ? And some of these kids said, I've, I've gone to church my whole life, and no one's ever asked me that. Nobody asked them if they've ever given their life to Jesus. We don't inherit righteousness by our parents' coattails and through our grandparents' coattails. We receive the gift of righteousness through Jesus. Amen? It's one-on-one. It's us with the Son, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've got to go to the Father through Jesus to receive Christ. And so we have to ask them if they've ever received Christ. And so it's good to share the, the gospel with them. In my opinion, if, you're going to, uh, if the person says yes, in my opinion, uh, a good verse to go to is Romans 10.9. Right? You guys know this one? We should have learned this in Sunday school. If you don't, it's a plug for Sunday school. Come back to Sunday school. We can study Romans 10, 9. But if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, right? And believe in your heart that what? God raised Jesus from the dead. You will what? Be saved. This is a pivotal verse to know when you're telling someone about Jesus and how to lead them in a prayer. So I even have a sample prayer on here. I'll read it to you. Again, if you need a copy of it. You don't have to memorize it or read it, but you just get the basics in your heart so when you go out, you'll have it and you can share it with somebody. But I got this from Dick Robinson many years ago. He said, uh, Lord Jesus, I need you. I confess that I'm a sinner deserving judgment and punishment. I need a Savior, and I believe you are the only Savior. I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and you paid the penalty for my sin, that you rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and ruled the universe from your place at the right hand of the Father. I confess that I exist, that I, I, I have insisted on having my own way, function as my own God, not trusting you. I repent of this horrible sin. Please forgive me of this sin and all my other sins. I receive you as Savior. I trust, for, uh, trust you for my eternal life. Now I trust you and receive you as Lord of my life. I believe I can trust you to guide me uh, in the best way possible for my life. I believe you love me, will take care of me every, uh, the best way uh, as I surrender to you in the will of your Father. 
Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live an obedient life to your will. Control and empower me by your Holy Spirit as I seek to serve you in ways that bless other people and glorify you. Release your gifts in, your, in my life that might serve you in power. Develop your fruit in my life that might be, your, uh, be as much, as much like you as possible. I promise to obey you and to follow you all the days of my life. Now I thank you for saving me forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you can modify that, make it longer, shorter, smaller, whatever. But Romans 10 9 was definitely in there. It talked about before I was this, now I'm that. Thank you for saving me. And that's the things we need to have in our tool belt as believers, amen. So that when you get the opportunity to pray for your child, for your cousin, your relative at a family picnic or something, you're sharing about Jesus is doing in your life. And they said, you know what? I don't know Jesus like that. Would you help me? You could take the time because you put this time in. You've prayed over it. And you have the word hidden in your heart. You can share it with somebody. And you could have the joy of leading someone to Jesus yourself. I'm telling you, it's awesome. It really is awesome. And I've got, I've got to reap where I haven't sown because some people were too scared to say something. Or they, or they weren't trained yet. People have brought them to me and said, Pastor, you pray for them. And it is an honor to do that. I don't mind doing that. I'm just saying, you're missing out because you get to do it yourself. And it's just such an awesome thing to do, okay? Uh, Luke 10, 2 says this, that he said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That word is just as true today as it ever was. Amen. So we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest. He'll send out us, the laborers, into the harvest fields, amen, that we could harvest his harvest of his sons and daughters to him, amen, amen. Uh, I'm going to pray for you guys, and we'll take up this morning's tithes and offerings, and I'm saying this to challenge myself as much as challenge you. I've led people to the Lord before, and I could try to think that's going to make me have a better spot in heaven because of this and this and this, no, it's not like that, Um we want to leave people to Jesus because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. We want to leave people to Jesus because there's, there's, you can actually get freed from the anxiety, the fear, the torment, the guilt, the condemnation, the shame, the sin, the sin consciousness, the, the consciousness of the old man. You can get actually free from all of that stuff and come into a right relationship with God, knowing him as your Lord and Savior and walking in true fellowship with God. And you get to share that with somebody else. That's a, that's a privilege. And they can, it might be a process. You might have to disciple them and teach them some things. But I'll tell you, it's really fun to teach hungry Christians. What really stinks is teaching fat Christians that don't want to do anything with the Word of God. It's not fun. It's not fun sometimes. You walk in like, I've heard this before. I'm so bored. When is church over? Oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, that is not good and a lot of churches like that. And if we get to that place in our own hearts, we have maybe we need to go on a fast, do something, because we, we have heard it before, but why have we told somebody else? That's a disconnect. That's a major problem. Amen? Amen. I'm not trying to scold anybody. I'm trying to motivate myself and us all. That now is the time. Now is the time. Not next week, not next year. It's right now is the time for us to stand up as real believers and act like Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus walking this planet but never telling anybody about his father? Never told anybody about his father. He couldn't, couldn't help but talk about his father. He couldn't help it because he was so connected with his father. He knew the father. He had to share it. And we need to share the father's love with people too. Amen. 
Amen. Why don't you guys stand? I'm going to pray for you and bless you. And we'll take up this morning's tithes and offerings and I'll dismiss you.